every time you open your wallet to buy beer, you cast a vote for where you see the future of beer being. If you look at my purchasing habits, I'm certainly casting a vote for independent pilsners. <laughs> Between you and I, Matt, we're doing our best. But I don't know. I don't know that it's working. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of Brews News. Oh, and this just in, this month, we, as in Cryer Malt, are running a promotion on our Belgian malts from Dingman. If you're looking to craft exceptional Belgian beers, look no further than the malts from Motorige Dingman. Their range of malts are the heart and soul of Belgian-style beers. Touch base with your mates at Cryer Malt to start brewing with Motorige Dungman. And this is Brews News Week, our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, the now available in zero alcohol format, Matt Kierkegaard, <laughs> but not... Ace reporter, senior journalist, and the tasting paddle, Claire Boom Boom Burnett. G'day, Matt, but not Claire. Morning, Pete. And, uh, mate, I am so glad that you are the host of this program and you have to do the Belgian pronunciations. I hope we haven't mangled it too much. Mutrij Dungman. So it's M-O-U-T-R-I-J, which I presumably Maltings or Malt, some, malt House, maybe, something like that. And then the family name. D-I-N-G-E-M-A-N-S. Now, I'm assuming because of the French pronunciation the s is silent so dungman i'm sure we'll get emails and i'm also convinced that the success of our advertising is because sometimes we get it wrong and if they came from if they were based in wollongong (laughs) and not leuven or wherever they are it it would probably be dingamans well funnily enough i was just uh on a chat to uh stan hieronymus um you know famous um hop authority um talking about it and I've heard him now on a couple of podcasts talking about the Nectaron, what we would call Nectaron, um, but he's being respectful to the New Zealand and you know, it, I've heard him say, now I think the New Zealanders pronounce it Nectaron um, and so it's an American trying to do an a New Zealand accent to get that e. So and I, you know, so and that it also changes if it's a Maori word because the five vowels in Maori are, are, are similar but different, um, and they don't change across different pronunciations as far as I'm aware. So you can get yeah a, a different interpretation of Maori New Zealand from an American. So how would you pronounce uh, Mudurij Dingaman uh, in New Zealand? Uh, <laughs> no, let's um, get on with yeah, well, podcast news. That's it. Let's let's do a podcast. Um, <laughs> apologies for uh, my NBN outage last week, which um, was unplanned. Uh, I suspect there was some work going on uh, in the street behind us. Uh, I suspect they perhaps disconnected something they shouldn't have or damaged something they shouldn't have because we we got a notification um, about six hours later. Saying um, you'll be pleased to know that we've um, we've fixed the outage. <laughs> well, yeah, you created it, <laughs> and you didn't you. tell us it was coming. So, yeah. and also apologies for. Um being a day late, uh, I was travelling in Sydney and it just didn't, yeah, couldn't quite make it work with the three of us. I hadn't sort of trained the staff to run the machinery, um, you know, to feed the hamster when I was out. So uh, uh, you're that guy, are you? I'm that guy. Who, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to protect my 
empire by making sure nobody else knows how to run it. Well, we've never had to. Like that's the thing. It's it's you know as as the empire is growing, we do need to. Uh, have a training program for staff. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. again. And look, and, and when you said apologies, I, I assumed that you were going to apologise for um, all the bits that you mucked up last week. Not that I've listened through and made copious notes, but... What did I get wrong? On only a couple of things. I did like, though, I did like the introduction of, of um, Matt's unshaped thought. <laughs> I, I've never heard you use that expression before, so I, I, I thought, no, that's a good one. I'm going to put that down as a, <laughs> as a, as a plus from the episode. Well, there, there's, then, a, there, there's a show title. Um, but then know. with... Rallings, labels, packers and stickaging. And then Claire came out with, um, oh, we remembered to do the ad. And I said, no, I reminded you because I send an email and a a note, whatever you do, don't forget. Uh, Speaking of Maori pronunciation, uh, you you did drop in an Aotearoa and I thought it was a pretty good save because I thought, oh, this this could be, but, you know, you did it well. Uh, Farm Hillstead, uh, crafty merchants instead of thirsty (laughs) merchants. So apologies to our friends at thirsty merchants. And then and doing mailbag before the fold, what what was going on there? Just uh, just stick to the. Uh, are you feeling good about yourself? No, well that was the that was the first half. <laughs> okay, the mate, we, we've got a podcast to do, and I'm sure I'm going to make uh, more uh, malapropisms uh, this episode. Done. Uh, no, I'm sure you won't. They were all there last week, so that's Thank that, you. that's all good. Um, News now. And now we cross live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of the stories making news this week, and Matt. Uh, your mates plans expansion after major growth. Yeah, your your mates has an unveiled, and this would sound much better in Claire's voice, given that she wrote uh, wrote it. Uh, your mates Brewing Co has unveiled plans to open a second brewery following a major growth spurt that will see it brew nearly a million liters this year. The Sunshine Coast Brewery has been in demand and co- has seen demand and capacity rise since its launch in 2015, accentuated by its success in the Gab's Hottest 100 in recent years. Um, <laughs> And uh, on that, in the article, uh, Kristen McGarry uh, responded to the Hottest 100 criticism uh, saying, we noticed a few people who didn't share our excitement. And again, there are plenty of reasons that might be. We don't distribute nationally. And I think because of that, people certainly underestimate our size. It's not bad. When we talk about a million litres, you go, okay, but that, you know, that, that's not a lot of beer uh, by, you know, the lofty standards of, of, of some others, you would think. But, but that's coming off uh, half a million litres last year um so doubling their output this year indicates a a fair jump in demand and like and and, and as christian says and and as we've um made note of on numerous occasions um it's not bad to be just stick to your knitting and and your local area and build allow the business to, to to grow organically Mm. And uh, look, there's a lot there that we could probably tuck away in below the fold um, and, and still not go over all of the uh, Hottest 100 stuff. So, uh, yeah, but it, 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 it's worth noting an article will be going up today um, that another Brisbane brewery, uh, White Lies um, Brewing Co., which a lot of our listeners probably haven't heard of, um, will, is also going to be expanding. Um, and look... There's been a lot of talk. I've just been in Sydney. We'll blow the fold that as well. Um, but it sounds like a lot of breweries are coping with expansion. So for all of the, you know, pain um, and fear that took place 12 months ago, um, as we record this, is there were industry shutdowns. The industry seems to have weathered it quite well. And you know, a lot of people looking how to expand as opposed to whether we'll stay open. Yeah, which is which is really good to. Good to see. And also good to see that um, they're making use of, um, 
Well, let's let's say they're they're using some equipment that yet to fire a shot. So hopefully it, it all works. Actually, no, I buried the lead there. Lee McAllister Smiley from um, uh, White Lies said they're happy to continue to service their locality with no plans to distribute further. Um, again, knowing your audience, and and now we know where the brew kit of the former Brisbane Brew Partners has ended up because that's what he's uh, installing. So. You know that 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 pristine, unused um, brew kit. Uh, now, for those Matt uh, unfamiliar with the area, so at the moment they're in Sumner, or is that where they're moving? To, and where where is where is Sumner? Um, Sumner is sort of outer west. So if you go through, but, but is it like a suburb of Brisbane? It's a, a suburb of Brisbane, yeah. But it's um, it. It, it, Sumner was one of those industrial estate areas. Um, that has gradually grown residential around it. Okay, got it. Too easy. Uh, good luck to them. Mm. Um, great bloke, Lee McAllister Smiley. Um, plenty of people in the beer biz will know him. Um, was a uh, a steward, volunteer steward at the AOBAs, and that's where that's where we met. And um, had plans to turn his passion for home brewing into a, a business, and he's done it. So well done to him, and now expanding. Uh, Matt. I was unable to get up to the uh, Queensland Beer Awards, but in big news, the students won a, beer, uh, a medal for one of their beers. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, just one of those ones that we, we can't cover every uh, you know, medal winner. You, you get bombarded with media releases from every brewery that won, wins medals um, uh, after any beer awards. And, you know, with, with so many breweries entering and so many medals awarded, um, not everyone is unfortunately... A news story, but this was one that did stand out a little bit because the we have looked at the development of the TAFE um, brewing course in Queensland and celebrated the government support um, in, in that element, and the Froth Rookies, who uh, which is the brand that they brew their student beers under, um, and entered in the the um, beer awards, and you know they they took home a silver. So yeah. Um, just really really nice to see that that is another element of the training the the students are being given because, you know, Pete, as you know, um, uh, being involved in a lot of beer awards, there's a bit of a skill in entering beer awards as well in, you know, how you describe your beer and how you enter it and understanding what um, category to be entering it in, um, not just the brewing that they're also learning. Yeah, it used to be a lot simpler. Obviously, you'd just go, well, it's a lager, so we'll just enter it in the lager category. <laughs> but now, you, there are just so many different um, – and also with the blurring of the lines in terms of – and it's this fine line we walk between um, a beer awards for consumers or are they for brewers? And, and, and at the end of the day, there's a synchronicity. There's a, um, a relationship, mutually uh, mutually beneficial relationship between the two because – you, you might be brewing a beer that you go, my, my uh, drinkers at my tap room absolutely love this beer, uh, but they said, oh, it's a little bit too hoppy. So what I've done is I've toned it down a little bit. So now it's not really a Pilsner. It's not really a, you know, a, a, an American-style pale ale, but it doesn't actually fit into – so you've, you've got to kind of yeah, work out which category you, you think it will be uh, best judged on its merits. Um, and then obviously the, you know, the feedback will come back as to, you know, it might have actually done better in this. Oh, I didn't even think of that category. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a developing, progressive sort of thing, um, which changes from, from year to year. As we've discussed, you know, new, new categories coming into beer awards all the time. So well done to them. 
And, and the other thing too, and a better beer means a better industry. And this award win proves that we're on the right path to achieving that, um, which was a great quote because I, I think we're, as, as uh, we're looking at white lies and your mates as a start. Now, as you expand, you've obviously got to have, you can't have, you, brewer can't brew one day in one facility and one in another. You want to hire new people. If people have already got that background, because Matt, remember pretty much if you wanted to be an industrial brewer or commercial brewer, you had to come into it with a science background. You had to know a bit about microbiology or, or fermentation of some sort. Now, um, not so much. This will at least give um, potential employers a bit more confidence to know that, you know, if you've come through a course, you've at least got a, a good grounding. Mm. Uh, Matt, sponsorship deals for uh, both Mismatch and Willie Smith's. Yeah, uh, in, in more positive news following the announcement last week that Colonial had lost its sponsorship of the Essen Football Club AFL side, Mismatch Brewing and Willie Smith's Cider Makers have signed a sponsorship deal with local clubs. Mismatch has teamed up with the Adelaide Crows Football Club and will have its own branded bar at the Adelaide Oval. Meanwhile, Willie Smith's has become the official cider sponsor of the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, the National Basketball League's newest team. I wonder whether Iron Jack gets a... Um, yeah, it would well, what's a jack jumper? I do not know. I've never heard of a, a Tas- Tasmanian jack jumper. I've heard of a stump jump plough. Plow, yeah. But um, maybe some of our Tasmanian correspondents can let us know. Let us know. What a yeah, what's a jack is. jumper? But yeah, no, look, I'm really good. You know, obviously, um, sad news last week for Colonial um, losing Essendon, um, and Pete, you would have heard our discussion. It it. it is business, but it, it's great to see um, good beer getting out there, you know, and cider um, getting out um, and being uh, much more available. Uh, I, I actually went to my first AFL game in in quite some time last weekend, and you know, it, I saw you enjoying a Yumundi. Was it a lager or the pale ale? Well, it's a Yumundi sessional lager, I, I think. So I don't know whether it's been brewed specially for the cricket or the members area at the Gabba, but you know, look. There's a whole debate to be had around independence and contracts of stadiums and things like that, which we do. But, you know, as, as a beer drinker, um, the, the, the first step is there's a wider diversity of beer um, that you can enjoy at, at, at the cricket. It's obviously been a while since you went there. I think you'll find it was a football match. Yeah, well, it, it was the, the cricketers, the, the mem- yeah, it, it was the stadium that's the cricket ground. So, oh, is it? Yeah. I thought the Wool and Gabba was... Oh, there you go. No, the Gabba is the cricket ground, and yeah, so it, it's the oval uh, sports game, um, whereas uh, Lang Park, uh, or Suncorp Stadium, is the rectangular uh, ball game. And I wonder too whether the beer was brewed specifically because uh, down here in Melbourne, if it's a an evening game, or actually at the MCG, I'm not sure if it's if all the time now, you can't serve anything above mid-strength. It, it, can... it was a mid-strength, but the Yamundi Pale is a mid-strength. The, the, the lager is a Anyway, yeah, it's a 3.5, yeah. isn't it? So it may just have been rebranded, I'm not sure. But look, in, in terms of sitting there watching a game of football um, where the you know the appreciation of uh, beer subtlety isn't the, the forefront, it was still a very nice beer to, to enjoy. Um, I would love to have seen some uh, you know craft, some independent uh, there as well for diversity, but, you know. Small uh, steps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of new beers, I was lucky enough to try a new beer and I did notice that you briefly discussed last week um, that I went to the relaunch of Breeny Brothers um, Brewing. Is it a relaunch? Uh, well, Breeny Brothers uh, go, dates back to the 1890s, I think, or so. Mm. Um, 
and there were Breenies involved in the brewing industry uh, in in some of the many of the breweries that ended up in 1905 or 1912, whatever it was, becoming the brand known as Carlton and United mm. Breweries. And I think they were involved in Castlemaine in Queensland as well. In yeah, Queensland as well, yeah. Their DNA is, uh, you know, splattered across the history of the Australian brewing industry. Yeah, and from my moment now, I'll have to double-check. I should have double-checked with Phil Dempster out at uh, Borough Brewing, but I'm pretty sure Abrini is, um, is brewing out there as well. Uh, and... Grand Ridge, I'm pretty sure their executive brewer, the head brewer, um, has been a, a in terms of developing men, uh, recipes and and training staff and all that sort of thing is a Brini uh, or a member of the Brini family as well. So they've they've certainly been around. And you, if anyone who's got the Amber Nectar, uh, which is a book on the history up to I think the early 90s of CUB, um, it's dotted with Brinis mm. all the way through. There's there's pretty much been a continuous line I think of of brewers, but the 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 family brand is being reinvigorated, if you like, by um, James Breeny, who's involved in a, a marketing company, and if you know, legend is to be believed, um, found that uh, one of the family members had the original recipe book, and so they've kind of, and look, there's a little bit of. GST, a little <laughs> bit of mayo on this, let's say, because as we've discussed before, mate, you can't recreate because the water would be different. Okay, yeah, the, the you can change that. Yeah, the, the hops, hop varieties, uh, different. The malt, the way it was malted, the equipment that it was brewed on. You know, you can you can always do it, an homage to, but you can't actually, you know, unless you. Well, you could go full Jurassic Park, perhaps. Could you, you know, if you found DNA in a, you know, in a bottle. You could possibly recreate it. I don't know. But um, it, look, it was a great tasting beer. Um, it was a very, very different launch. Um, I do have to say I walked in and thought, oh, okay, now this is going to be a full hipster beer because there were very unironic um, beards, but then I realised they were actually 1880s beards, not <laughs> not modern hipster beards. Um, and I did, I did note somewhat cheekily that, it kind of looked like a um, a reunion of um, a, a CUB uh, old boys collegiate sort of group. Um, I, I, it was the first time I've gone to a beer launch in as long as I can remember where I've been the only person there that I've recognised um, as, you know, a, a craft person or, or whatever. <laughs> but uh, good luck to them. It was, a, as I say, a cracking beer, a really well-made beer. But, look, you'd expect that from... Uh, uh, Mike Stanzel out at um, at Burnley Brewing has uh, has been involved in the the recreation of the beer and and tweaking the recipe and what have you and and it's a a, a beautiful well balanced uh, faultless beer. Uh, Matt, we've got a world first. Well, in inverted commas, it's a from a media release. Uh, New Zealand hop. Oil extracts are available to brewers after a partnership, which we reported on late last year, between the UK's Totally totally Natural Solutions TNS and New Zealand Hops. As brewers actually listen to, it'll be going out as a Brewery Pro episode because it's not really a beer as a conversation um, format. Um, but my chat with Stan Hieronymus talking about hops, and we do talk a little bit about hop extracts and efficiencies that brewers are looking for. Um, so you'll be able to get a little bit of about that um, and it was an interesting announcement you know given there was a little bit of um, uh, you know a, a little bit of interest in our dis- an article we ran last week um, there was nominally about Sean Hill braving um, you know from Hill Farmstead did I say it right that time Pete? Very well done. Thank you. 
being in New Zealand and braving ISO to be there for the, the hops. And he had a few observations. At what point does an opinion or an observation um, become a criticism? Or is that in, in, in the eye of the beholder? <laughs> or well, the ear uh, of the behearer? Uh, I, I guess it is in the eye of the, the, the beholder because, you know, a, a lot of people roll their eyes a little bit about the arrogance or, you know, the... the you know, self-confidence um, of some of the uh, opinions expressed, um, which, as we said on the show, you know, if, if you have a, a small little cult um, brewery, you can have these very, very strong views. And a lot of people didn't like them. But then again, there was there's a whole lot of middle ground where people go, oh, I can get where he's coming from. So, you know, it was, it was interesting. Anyway, so it was good to see some good news coming out of New Zealand hops and what they are doing to, to respond to the market and, uh, you know, changing beer styles. And it's and it had some great conversations with some New Zealand brewers out of that as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to the bubble opening so I can get over and even, you know, have some chats with them, uh, you know, face-to-face over a beer. Yeah, I believe it, is it as a result of uh, announcements this week. I think is it a one-way bubble. I, I think you can think we're can, back to the one-way bubble where New Zealanders can come here, come um, here, but we, we can't. can't go yeah, there. but they can't go back. Yeah, or if they go back, they've got to quarantine. Or uh, anyway, I'm sure it'll it'll sort itself out uh, um, fairly soon. If you'd like to sort out um, perhaps your systems in your brewery, um, you might want to listen to this. Brewing great beer takes time, and it's considered artistry by brewers. Polishing that art and expanding for the future is made easier with fluidic controls and automation of your processes, which enables more time for craft brewing, density, flavours, instead of just stirring the mix. This is where Burkett can can assist. Burkett supports their Australian customers with single cable technology for future-proofing their tomorrow. Now, that's smart. Uh, You can get more information about Burkett fluid control systems at burkett.com.au forward slash en. And we'll link to that in the show notes. And also, and I know I've said this in the past, but really good chat uh, I had with Luke Houlihan from Burkett talking about, you know, something that sounds very unsexy, uh, fluid control. For a brewer, maybe not for our prosumer audience, but certainly for a brewer, well worth uh, looking into. Actually, Pete, one correction that you didn't uh, pick me up on last week when we are talking about uh, advertising is I got a, a, a call from our good friends at Rallings Labels Packaging and Stickers. Um, uh, Almost Ra- got it. Rallings Labels Stickers and Packaging. Stickers and Packaging, yep. Um, the good thing is our listeners know their name well enough to uh, correct us. Um, they do supply to Burley. So, you know, we, we did talk about Burley putting their beer in cans and uh, apparently well, there you go. Rallings yeah, is just another brewer that Rallings uh, supplies. So if you want to be out there supplying cans to your customers, uh, Rallings can help you get that beer in cans. Yeah, and did you know, Matt, that they don't just supply labels for cans or, or bottles, if you're still doing bottles, um, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. They do can trays, tap decals, barcodes, uh, shrink sleeves, already applied to empty beer cans, ready for filling. And I'm sure, Matt, as you and I both know, no matter, well, you can call it packaging and stickers, labels, relings, if you want to, but our listeners know that 1300 852 235 will get them in touch with who they need to speak to. So no matter how you spell it or how you pronounce it, one three hundred eight five two two three five, that'll sort you out. See, I just call them Rellings because everyone knows. It's probably easier, isn't yeah. it? Thanks to Rellings. That's it for our news. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Pete. That's all right. So if you need to go back to work or you know you need to stop running, uh, you've done enough. That's fine. That's 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 caught you up on the news. If you need to get back to work, that, that's your news hit for the week. That's you're that, that's you're it. now up to date with all that matters in the world of Australian brewing. 
Yeah. And now what is, well, I was going to say, it's, you know, a bit of a disparaging term to say waffle, but you used it as well. So, um, uh, but I did see some people uh, on the Facebook group lamenting the fact that uh, where's my waffle for this week? Uh, We'll hear it's coming uh, after this. But for now, uh, thanks very much, Matt. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Pete. And we're out. And now we're back with Below the Fold. And we've punted mailbag to below the fold because some of the questions that come out of that prompt, uh, you know... There is probably more discussion to be had from uh, mailbag stuff uh, because mailbag often refers to the news items um, Mm. more so than the news items refer to mailbag-worthy stuff. Mm. Don't forget, you can review us on iTunes uh, or you can send us in an email to be in the draw for our letter of the week. And you can also join our Facebook group, over 500 members now, and I've noticed we added a few more uh, in the last couple of weeks. Just search Radio Brews News and use the password soapbox. What was that, sorry? Is it over 500 or more than 500? Over 500. No, I don't think it is. I think it is over because it's 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 a, it's a num- more than when you've got a quantifiable amount of individuals. It's just like less or fewer carbs. It's actually fewer carbs. Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, also, don't uh, don't be shy about uh, if you hear us uh, name check you. If you if we read out your comment or make a, a note of something that you've given to us, uh, send us a postage address so that we can look after you with a. Barblade from Thirsty Merchants. And have we got any... We must be out of Deblue Bakes cookies by now. Um, I don't think we've been sending those out with the Barblades for a while. So oh, okay. we've been snacking on them in the office. Uh, okay. You get a Barblade. You get one of our uh, great. Thirsty Merch Barblades. Dog That's bone. it. Uh, subscribe, leave us a review on um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, you get your podcast fix because um, you know, as we say every week it costs nothing to you apart from a little bit of your very valuable time uh, but it helps other beer lovers discover the podcast now we got an email from uh, Liam Quinlan I didn't see this uh, you can read this one Matt Dear Brews News, I'm a lover of craft beer. I listen to the podcast every week. I was just wondering if you think that it's possible for craft breweries in the future to compete with the major breweries on price. I find it too expensive to only drink craft beer at its current price point of over $60 a case, and that's at the lower end, um, specifically when mainstream beers are only $50. Also, when will there be a craft festival at Sydney this year? I've been I've seen the Canberra Craft Beer Festival is coming up and was wondering when the Sydney one will be. Um... So yeah, look, endless discussion uh, about the price of craft beer, and I, I remember Chuck Hahn saying to me, "Is a vet, well, I was never a young beer writer, but as I, when I was a nascent beer writer, a new beer writer, a new beer writer um, in my early thirties, saying it's a unit cost game. You know, the more you can make, the cheaper you can get the price point down, and that is very true. But that was always the difference that this idea of craft beer." had that by making smaller batches inefficiently you know inefficiently in a neutral term it is you know smaller batch more people per liter of beer you know all of that sort of thing it does make it more expensive yep um and you you know you 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 will have craft beer coming down in price as breweries grow in scale the irony of that is that people start hating on them when they start growing. And you, you, you look at the gnashing of teeth over you know, breweries like Stone and Wood that are starting to get up, um, you know, uh, uh, th- those sorts of efficiencies. Yeah, um, if you can get it at Uncle Dan's, it's, oh, it's, get not, it it's not craft anymore. Yeah. Um, Don't be that guy. No, but the, yeah, and, and the other thing is, you know, like, Pete, I remember 
you know, one of the discussions we would have had, God, you know, it would have been six, seven years ago, um, that, that, that is probably relevant now. Um, I remember us talking about a beer like Two Birds Golden Ale, for example. You know, on one hand saying how awesome it was that a craft brewery has, you know, concentrated on that, you know, approachable end of the market at a time when everyone else was going big IPAs more and hops, like more that. hops more hops yeah. and yep. they had an absolutely world-class boring beer style for want of a better term in a golden ale that was approachable for people making them move out of mainstream um, and also making them move out of um, you know corporate craft like the James Squires golden ales um, and it, but it was also a complex, beautiful drinking beer for somebody who wanted a little bit more from a session beer. Um, but I remember saying at the time that, you know, mate, I, I don't know that you can survive with a brand. And I, it, it was going for $24, $25 a six-pack. A six-pack, yep. Six or seven yep. years you, you know, ago when the $20 ceiling, and it was that $20 ceiling that, seemed to squeeze more craft breweries to put the four pack out because they could get that price out. And that is the endless tension between the practical realities of pragmatic realities of brewing and this concept of craft brewing. How do you get volume if you only can play in that sharp pointy end of the beer market? And how do you grow if you don't have a core range beer that people won't support because of the price? I don't know the answer to that, but when I, you know, bang on about the, you know, what is the brand promise of craft anymore um, when you've got brewers who are making adjunct field beers, you know, there, there just doesn't seem to be any attempt to protect the value in the price premium commanding value in craft beer at the moment because, you know, except for that one-off seasonal crazy, um, you know, hype novelty beer. Yep, yep. And a good point too about the, um, you know, as as breweries, like the, the, the reason that CUB, as an example, can make their beer at the price they can make it is because when they get a delivery, they're getting 100,000 bottles or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, that's, you know, and it's all automated unloading and uh, palletizing and or depal all that sort of stuff um you're getting discounts because your labels you're buying a million labels every time because it's, it's not going to change um the same delivery to a small craft brewer it, it might take you 15 20 deliveries to get you know ten thousand bottles whatever it might be um, and every time, you know, that somebody's got to stop what they're doing to unload that and manually, you know, physically, you know, get your pallet jack and all that sort of stuff. So it, it, it does cost more. So as you get as you get bigger and you start buying in greater amounts and then obviously, you know, the malt, instead of buying, you know, 10, 25 kilogram bags, you're buying one 250 kilogram big bag, you know, mm. or you're buying a ton of malt at or a time. Or you've got a silo of that outside your door. Exactly, exactly. Um, and hawkers are a great example of that. Hawkers can make their beer... Uh, produce far more beer, far more efficiently now than than when they they first opened their doors. But it's you know you you've got to grow to that point unless you've got you know a rich uncle or angel investors or whatever who can who can start you off with the the efficiencies to begin with. Um, 
And you made a good point. You know, it's, it's that difference between cost and value. And value. <laughs> the, the question isn't why is craft beer so expensive because it's very, very easy to explain when you look at, you know, I think when I did the calculations once, you know, one of the local breweries near me or like even a, you know, a stone and wood when they were smaller when I did the calculation, you know, it was 20 employees per million litres of beer produced versus something like 0.3 employees to make and sell, you know, CUB. The same quantity, the million litres, yeah. And those wages are spread amongst, you know, that same volume of, of beer. So the question isn't why is craft beer so expensive? The question is why is corporate craft so why isn't it cheaper? Because they can actually, you know, some of the beers are coming out of the breweries with the same efficiencies and uh, things like that. Um, but in some ways, they are protected by the price point that craft breweries have to. So the, the benchmark is set at these inefficient, expensive craft breweries. The mainstream brewers can still undercut them and make a much better margin on that same product. Yeah, plus consistency, plus um, you know supply to you know further points of the of the country and all that sort of thing. And that's where I come back to you know like it's if you think of it with your wallet, um, you'll make the choice that uh, Liam says. You know you'll buy the fifty dollar craft. But you know I, I keep coming back to every time you open your wallet to buy beer, you cast a vote for where you see the future of beer being. If you look at my purchasing habits, I'm certainly casting a vote for independent pilsners. <laughs> Between you and I, Matt, we're doing our best. I don't know, I don't know that it's working. No, I'm certainly not voting for, uh, in, you know... Uh, I do hate. know of one cracking pilsner which is about to go into into uh, into tank, um, which will hopefully be available for um, Good Beer Week, which might be a, a good, well, more, more to come. Nice. And, and the second part of Liam's question is, will there be a craft festival in sydney this year um i don't know if sydney beer week i think sydney beer week folded two years ago yeah um but gabs will be coming well went on hiatus but yeah gabs gabs has just announced dates so jump on the uh, the gabs website um and, and look yeah there's i don't know whether there'll be a sydney craft festival uh i know it was sort of it was kind of put on hold wasn't it so uh it, it may come back but uh, yeah, it, it's got to have the support, doesn't it? Good Beer Week was always done by a very passionate group of you know, volunteers and I think it morphed into semi-professionals before it was now run by the, the, the IBA. Um, Sydney, uh, Brisbane Beer Week or Bruce Vegas, Bruce Vegas was yeah. run by a completely volunteer committee of bar owners who you know, saw that you know, their businesses benefited from having a vibrant craft beer culture um in in and, and so they did it very very selflessly and you know without any sort of form of recompense um sydney beer week i think started as a bit of a melbourne or you know melbourne good beer week model and then it was taken over or it was uh, as a number of companies sort of developed it and when you've got companies behind it they need to make a profit and as we've discussed making a profit on these sorts of things everyone wants to go nobody wants to pay venues you know want to see results for their um for what they pay um when they can often run events themselves and you know it's, it's a really really hard and matt it's a common theme throughout there are a lot of venues that expect that having their name in the program will bring 
that they don't have to do yard. any work. I've paid my money. You're going to deliver a crowd you, to me. Yeah, you, you, you fill my venue. But the, and, and the other thing is, Pete, a lot of the beer festivals that we know, and certainly Good Beer Week, you know, even though it's only, you know, 10 iterations old and 11 years old, it came out of this idea of craft beer needs to be out there promoting itself and, you know, building the excitement um, and opportunities for brewers to sell. And, and a lot of, you know, beer festivals were basically on that. We, we can't get our beer on tap. We need to create our own festivals to get you know, access to market. And brand awareness. And brand awareness. And, and and that element of a lot of the beer weeks has fallen by the wayside. There are a lot more, you know, big beer festivals that are, are, are now touring the country. You know, the number of tap takeovers that you hear about, which are, you know, venue-based mini beer festivals, you know, and, and, and celebrations that, you know, the, the market has changed. And it, it, you know, my business, which was geared towards providing introductory beer um you know, 15, 16 years ago and you were doing beer tastings. You can't compete with venues that are doing that day in, day out. And so the market has changed a little bit as well. Hopefully Liam feels that he's got good value out of that uh, <laughs> the, well, that, that, that question that he posted. There's half hour a lot of time for uh, Below <laughs> the Fold. Um, Barry Cranston, who is a top bloke and a great amateur brewer, greatly enjoy each and every show. Uh, it is true. Quality does have a range of meanings. The That's what we talked about. Yeah, he he. So so this is him replying to our reply to his post. Um, so that colonial. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think Barry's comment was with quality, quantity uh, rules over quality. quality something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the Barry, as I say, is a, is a terrific brewer, um, and and just doesn't make faulted. Mm. Uh, faulty beer at all. So, and I, I, I did read into that, you know, the, uh, and as Barry says, the big breweries brew highly consistent, well-made beers of a certain type, but they do not have the qualities that I want in beers that I drink. So that's, that's a fair clarification. He wasn't saying it's shit beer. Well, no, no, he, he wasn't. But I know that there is, and certainly um, he, I wasn't having a go at him, but, you know, it was one of those things that, when you look at the Facebook groups still, some of the Facebook groups, there is still that idea that, oh, your mainstream beer is crap. You know, that furphy, it's crap. And you go, well, you know, if you want to look at even just one metric, I'm sure that the ABV that they put on the bottle is what's actually in, 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 in the liquid, you know. I've um, never seen one explode. Yeah, yeah. I've never and, tasted one and thought, oh, geez, I've, um, it's a diacetyl bomb. yeah. Yeah, and and so yes, I absolutely take his point. But yeah, I, I yeah, I just I, I was sort of making sure that it didn't spiral into one of those. Um, you know. And as it as it often does, Matt. Not I must say, very with with uh, you know proud dad boast. Not in our Facebook group. No. Yes. As evidenced by Ryan Massingham in our Facebook group. G'day, Ryan. Uh, interesting chat about beers at Parliament House and sporting clubs today. I run the stock for the function room slash small bar at a volunteer club. Uh, I've recently convinced them to start selling a small range, eight beers. Doesn't fill me with confidence after that. Uh, hopefully the old boys will get around it and try something new. And he, he included a photo that had, you know, had a really nice range of beers for a, for a small club. So congratulations to Ryan for doing that. And hopefully I was encouraging in, in, in my response because it does come down to the people that are behind the bar. You can't just put them in the fridge and expect that suddenly demand is going to shift. Um, and and we, we see this at the exhibition pete um you know at craft beer alley that we do you know and one of the 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 great examples for me is when green beacon always used to want us to put their wayfarer wheat on and we wanted their colch because the purpose that as the barkeeps 
um, we wanted a beer. We wanted that beer that was not a lager, but was something that if somebody said, what have you got that tastes like? Their Kolsch was bang on for that, but it just had that little bit more. Yep. Whereas the wheat beer wasn't, you know, their, their Wayfarer wheat or whatever, to that audience was a little bit off-putting because, oh, no, I don't like wheat beers or I don't like, um, you know, fruit and I don't like... Yeah, and then you had to explain it's an American wheat ale, yep. not a wheat beer as such. Which if you are in a craft beer venue, um, like if you are in the brewery and you've got this audience that is built up around it, it doesn't need that ex- explanation. No, exactly. Oh, here's a tasting paddle. Tr- oh, gee, I really like that. What's that called? Well, mm. it's actually our Wayfarer wheat. Mm. And then they go, oh, okay, I didn't think I liked wheat beers. Well, and, and the, yeah, the conversation starts. Kolsch, I think, had the advantage that nobody knew what a Kolsch was. Um, so if, if they, a, you just pour it, just try that. What do you, oh, no, that's all right. That's what I'm talking about. It's that's, a German golden know, ale. <laughs> exactly. And, and, but, yeah, and, and that's where, you know, the enthusiasm of, of, of the bar staff, the, the beers that excite and interest them, the ones that they explain, the fact that they understand their audience and that they're not doing triple IPAs, in a venue that is only just putting a toe in the water for craft beer. And Parliament House is a great example. They stocked them because it was politically important for Queensland Parliament to support craft beer because of the craft beer strategy. But I don't know you know, whether the venue itself invested in training the staff. Here's the beers we've got on offer. Here is how you taste them. I also don't know whether there was any brewers that did follow up, um, you know, I, I don't know. Would you like me to come in and do a yeah, do a tasting a for tasting. Or a training for your staff? Would you like me to come in and do a tasting for your you know very captive audience of uh, parliamentarians? Um, and you know, so it wasn't a failure on. I, I certainly wasn't having a go at Parliament House, and I wasn't having a go at you know the the the, the strategy. But it is a, a, a slow burn thing. Um, and in, incidentally, we had a tasting at the, the tasting at Parliament House on Monday night. Incredibly successful, like really, really exciting. We had far more politicians um, from both sides of Parliament. Chris Whiting, uh, MP, who is an absolute champion for the industry, you know, organised it and didn't just limit it to members of his government, the government that he represented. It was, you know, cross parliamentary lines. Um, we had Cameron Dick was there, the Queensland Treasurer. We had the current Minister for Beer, Glenn Butcher. He's done well since we uh, sort of made him known. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I thought he's not the treasurer, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mate, he's done very well for himself. Well, when you're anointed by Brewers News, you you, you go places. But yeah, Sorry, no, after I after I taught him to pour a beer at the Echo. Yeah, and uh, but it it was great. So rather than buy from the Parliament House stock, all of the brewers came in, you know, lugging their. You know, we had fifteen brewers, all with six packs, and we had everything from cracking lagers. We had some sours. We had the Madoc Frambois, you know, and it was a really, really good cross section. And we had a lot of the local members meeting their brewers. Um, So really, really exciting um, initiative. uh, And to that, as the great Michael Jordan said, you miss one hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. So to whether it's Parliament House or Ryan Massingham, keep you, you, at least, if you've got them there, then you're at least a chance. Because I, I, I get an, oh, I don't I don't stock it because people don't buy it. Well, do people not buy it because you don't stock it? Mm. Getting ranged is only the first part of the job. And uh, actually, on that, what is becoming a, a habitual teaser for the next uh, um, beer is a conversation. Um, but I was in Sydney. Uh, the last couple of days um, to attend the launch for Motorcycle Oil for Young Henrys. And uh, down there, I chatted to Dan and uh, Oscar. And I tell you what, it's it's one of the chats that 
makes me love the medium of the beer as a conversation where you just you don't interview them it is just this long spiraling chat we ended up having to break it over two days because we had allotted an hour to it before the, the launch of motorcycle oil and suddenly it was they were 15 minutes late to their own party um, and you, you don't want to interview somebody after they've launched their um, beer um, and so I came back the next morning to do an, an additional half hour um, and it was just a really all of the things that you hear people talking about in the industry you know beer contracts the private investment um, the young Henry's culture all of these things are, are chatted um, about um, you know very very openly um, at least I, I felt that it was open so they, they convinced me otherwise if they didn't Matt I've got to ask and Ryan I don't know if Ryan's got one in uh, in his range uh, did Parliament House have a stout by any chance no no but no. we did have again of the 20 pilot parliamentarians that were there one came up asking you know what have you got that's a dark beer um, yeah yeah. But also which is probably a similar percentage to what we always get at the at the Echo. You've got to have something that's not a crisp pale, you know, or an amber. You've got to have does something. Does it have to lean. be a stout, Pete? <laughs> well, according to some of the comments, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, again, it's know your audience. And this idea that you can make a blanket state um, statement, and I know that, you know, for example, Wade Curtis, um, you know, uh, who is very, very thoughtful about these things, and, uh, you know, we, we had a nice little bit of a back and forth about it, um, you know, he would certainly, and he did make a great stout um, at uh, Four Hearts um, Brewery, I think the Coal Miner Stout. But it was a 4% from, you know, hopefully I'm remembering this right, it was a 4% really what I would call a summer stout, you know, light and, you know, a nice, you know, darker than Tui's new, but still something that, you know, the, the Tui's new, uh, so Tui's old um, would certainly appreciate. But then also, if you love a good stout, um, you, you know, there was, there was plenty to chew on. Yeah, just perhaps not in cans. Cans or cans? As in the far north. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I'm not saying that you couldn't have it in in, in the far north, but it, you know, going back to our chat, know your audience, know your staff. I reckon we had a nice Schwarzbier the last time we were at Hemingway's, didn't we? I, I, I think we probably could, but yeah, you know, that's a lager, so it's a little bit lighter, you know, just a little bit lighter bodied, you know, and um, you know, it, it's just one of those beers that just may be that little bit less chewy um, for a tropical north. Um, yeah, yeah, but it was yeah, interesting to see the discussion. As I say, um, as always. Um, and and thank you to all those who engage in the uh, in the Facebook group. That um, yeah, it was it was good to see uh, a bit of back and forth and, and people with, uh, with with their strong strongly held opinions mm. making their case. It's always yeah, good. That was good. And uh, mate, just, just while I was in Sydney, um, oh God, you and I need to get out. There's so many destinations, um, but I, I did do a little bit of a wander through, you know, one of the sweeps that you, James, and I did, um, which was through the Sydney's Inner West and did some great podcasts there. Mate, I, I tell you what, the, the quality of beer coming out of that um, little pocket is just top-notch. You know, I'm not sure whether it's just awesome brewers or it's awesome brewers plus this very competitive uh, space that they're I was going to say, is, is, is the power of competition certainly a, a factor? Well, I'll put because it you don't way. want to be you're the one get that a, you're not going to get away with slips. It. Yeah, you're not going to get away with it um, for very long because uh, yeah, there, there are some very nice beers. And I, I got my first look at Filter. Um, have you have you been a Filter yet, Pete? No, I have not. Okay, well, we need to get we we need to do another chat with Sam and do it. And it is 
a beautiful brewery. Like you walk on uh, up to it from the outside, and it's got that um, you know seventies Besser brick. The the pattern, you know the I don't know what you call it, but it's not just the old Besser brick brick that's got the two holes in it. It's the ones that have got the sort of diagonals in it. Yeah, so yeah. kind of what the Americans would call cinder block. Cinder block, yeah. Um, but you can actually, so you can see through, and just as you sort of get level with it, um, and you can actually see through the gaps in it, you just sort of see this glint of stainless steel that teases you what's on the inside, and then you walk in, and you've got one of the most beautifully laid out, um, you know, feature breweries in the country um, in terms of the the way that it's laid out, but then the way that it's a real centrepiece to the tap room. Um, and at the end of the day brewing, it was just immaculate in the way that it has been left clean and tidy and everything like that. So just, yeah, just as, as an experience that, you know, we, we talk about a big part of the drinking in a brew pub is the experience of drinking where it's made. It is just such a thoughtful, uh, you know, layout and just, yeah, just wow factor. Um, for, even for somebody who's a little bit um, jaded about, you know, <laughs> I, I really want to, yeah, yeah, I'd love to come and see your brewery, um, you know, because um, it, it, it was, you walk in and go, now this is a, a brewery that I want to sit and drink beer in. So they've broken away from the, if you like, that, that Marrickville mould. And I'm not saying that they're, like, all of the breweries when we visited were sympathetic with their surroundings. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice, um, uh, an oasis away from the, you know, the concrete and the and the warehouses and the trucks and all that sort of thing. But it wasn't kind of, oh, geez, they're trying a bit hard. Like all of them were true to their, uh, I guess, you know, gritty urban roots. So, so is it a bit of a departure from that or is it? the next step in an oh, well, see, I don't know if it's a departure, but they haven't gone for, you know, like you, you walk into Young Henry's and Young Henry's has that, um, you know, apologies if I'm using um, terms wrong, but it, it's like it's a, it's a grunge, urban, rock and roll, eclectic um, mix of a little bit of everything that really genuinely expresses the Young Henry's, you know, aesthetic. No one else could really pull that off, but then a common aesthetic that runs nationally um, for breweries is we've got an industrial space, so let's make it feel industrial. You run the risk of it looking painted on. It you, you do, and but then like we've, we've seen something in Belgium, or we've seen something in Brunswick, or we've seen, and we just want to kind of put well, that in a tin. Like I, can we I, just I, paint I, that on? I was going to say, but there, yeah, there's that patina of creatures. Um, you know, little creatures. Uh, 20 years ago or you know 16 years ago when I first walked in there and it was such a wow factor because it completely changed the idea of what a modern pub should be because um, it, it wasn't actually a brewery it was like the, the the pub aspect of it and they had all of those quirky little touches you know that had been picked up from you know places like Portland or things like that you know um, that is an aesthetic that is carried over to, to a lot of breweries Um you know, I wouldn't say that when I walked into Filter that they were there was anything groundbreaking about it, but it was a, a space that really left an impression. You know, it, it had bench tables and stools. It had, you know, some seating. It had a, a nicely laid out bar um, and everything that, you know, there was nothing individual that you can sort of say, this is earth-shattering, this is different. But it did actually feel like you were in a place that had its own sense of self. 
partly that was uh, partly the just the immaculate layout of the brewery, but then the bar itself just had this, you know, it, it was expressing its own little bit of filter personality that comes through in the cans that were very distinctive when they came out. You know, it, 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 it's a... It sounds like a gushing endorsement of, a, of an individual brewery, but it was just one that really struck me in a way that, you know, this is a place that knows itself um, and isn't trying to be some something that it's not. They sold me. I can't wait to get there. Yeah, well, let, let's um, let, let, let's look at doing it uh, if borders stay open for long enough. Um, because the other one that I wanted to do, I ran into Glenn and Matt from... Grifter. Grifter. I was, I was very embarrassed because I'd, I'd snuck away from the Young Henry's thing and just you know wandering around going to breweries and uh, walked into Grifter um, and they were both sitting at the first and I ne- you know it's not hey guys I'm coming I'd love to catch up I love to sneak in so you can sit there and just get a vibe of it without having the the, the, the host there so I don't want to do them any um, you know injustice for not wowing about this because it's changed a little bit since we were in there and they've gradually been expanding. But I walked in and they clocked me straight away and so I <laughs> ended up sitting and having a chat to them for an hour um, that changed the experience a little bit. So it was um, uh, a really good chat and I'd love to do a follow-up to our podcast uh, from a couple of years ago. It was, yeah. It was because uh, they were yeah, like obviously done really well since then. So it'd be good to – I'd love to see how they're – Yeah, tracking. but again um, – they're a brewery that we just don't hear from. You know, um, there are some breweries that are fairly localised. You get, you know, constant media releases, um, you know, and, and you sort of see them constantly banging the drum on um, social media and things like that. And the Grifter, it's easy for me in Brisbane to completely forget about them because they're not, you know, in, in that attention-seeking space. And, in fact, they are a great example of one of those breweries um, that I sort of say, look, you know, don't spend money on a $1,000 a month retainer public relations firm um, to give you news that's got national profile. If you were just have a very defined sales Personality. Area, yeah, because um, you're much better investing in, you know, investing that $1,000 in a chalkboard artist for out the front of your venue because you're going to get a lot more immediate response from that sort of thing than you are from... And, and bums on seats. And, and bums on seats. And it was really interesting. I, I sent a photo. Um, I had lunch yesterday at a venue on the other side of Sydney in Surrey Hills. And the, the Grifter, it was a very small selection of beers. They had the Grifter Pale Ale on. Um, and I just sort of sent them a photo. Um, you know, geez, guys, you're really nice to see your beer, you know, not just, uh, you know, in, in the inner west. And... You know, it's like when you send a little tight beer shot, there's just a little bit of background in it. Um, but there was enough background that you could see a stool in the bottom of a chalkboard. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Matt King uh, got back and said, oh, you're at such and such. And I went, Jesus, how'd you know that? And he goes, oh, look, you know, I, I know my audience. And I thought, Matt, and there were just a couple of, just little things that I picked up that, you know, those guys are doing well, modestly and quietly, but just because they're getting some of those basics right, um, they know their customers, they know their their their, their product, and you know they're not shouting about it. They're not wasting money. They're just investing in what is working for them. And uh, yeah, so I'd love to. I, I think those guys would have some really nice insights that would work nicely on a beer as a conversation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I'd be keen to also learn what they've learned 
uh, in those the three four years since we were because they were sort of really just starting off. Um, they were just about to get new tanks in, or they just got some new tanks in. Because I reckon when we were there, they were still brewing off their. I don't know if, I don't want to say it's a spark system, but it was like you know like a stacked, um, like a fairly. It was. It was a. I've got photos. A, a home brew kit on, yeah, on steroids. Yep. Yep. Again, I I I don't want to say too much because they they not having a mic. Um, I don't want to decide what they would and wouldn't say on mic. Um, but it was a, a really interesting chat. Um, for some really some guys who I you know like the beer but respect them as operators as well. And they do a cracking pilsner. So. They, I, I made sure I had the Pilsner. Yes, it, it was a very, very nice Pilsner. <laughs> Speaking of cracking, uh, we must crack on and let everybody actually get back to work now and stop running or uh, go and do all those useful things that they need to do. Anything else, Matt? Uh, no, I think that's a good hour, good solid hour, good half hour of news, good half hour of uh, waffle. That's it. Thanks for joining us. Um, don't forget, if we did uh, read your name out for the first time, then uh, make sure that we've got a contact for you so that we can send you out. A, uh, a dog bone bar blade. Or if it's friends. the first time since we got the dog bones, we're happy to uh, double up so you can start building the full set. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, so if you've got the old one, you can you can get a second one. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Now, I don't know what we're going to do because uh, we did have one more uh, message to go, that from Kalani Fuller in the, uh, the Facebook group. That was a beautiful boom, Claire. It's your accent which makes it spot on. Uh, note from Claire, Kalani is my favourite. Right. <laughs> well, mate, I, I think it's your turn to disappoint with the quality of the boom this week. Well, no, I reckon last week, as Kalani said, it, that was such a good boom that I reckon Joe can isolate that as a sting and, and put it in. No, see, I want authentic. I, I don't want people th- to think that that we've got the boom track, you know, the, the, the laugh track. When people laugh, it's genuine laughter. It's the audience laughing. So, no, I, I think it... All right, we'll give it a we'll Either it a we don't boom or we have substandard booms. I don't so have COVID, but I'm not feeling great at the moment. So, uh, yeah. Oh, but... no, you, you were happy to have a go at me, mate. So uh, I want to hear your boom. All right. Boom it is. Uh, so thank you very much to Cry Malt, to Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging and to Burkett Fluid Control Systems for supporting this which is Brews News Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. Claire has been studying. Uh, we look forward to welcoming the, the trio. Hopefully we can get the three of us back together this time next week, uh, although a day earlier. Apologies again for the lateness, but, uh, yep. Something the hamster, for your weekend. The wheel, all that stuff. And that's it. You've got something to listen to on the weekend or uh, on, the, on the train on Monday. So thanks very much, Matt. Um, until next week, thanks very much. Remember, drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other. And wash your damn hands. And we're out. Boom. (laughs) That's going to get feedback. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer is a conversation.